podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hope you're doing well, everyone. Today I'm joined by David Blackmore from ITV and also Blowing Bubbles magazine. Uh, David, um, I w- oh, well, we're just talking a little bit off air uh, about how we're both feeling today, um, but obviously now we're um, recording. How are you, mate? Are you okay? Yeah, good. I mean, just hugely disappointed about yesterday. You know, so often I see his rock up at, you know, Old Trafford and you sit there and you, you, you hope for the best, but fear the worst. And as it's been recently, it seems to be you know, Scott McTominay coming on and in the last few minutes to pop up a winner and us leaving, you know, having played awful, losing 1-0, you know, or anything like that. Mm. But it, I actually was really surprised, especially when I saw the lineup yesterday. I thought, oh, OK, we're going 5-4-1. We're going to mm. just sit back. We're going to try and hit him on the counter. And then we start playing. And I'm thinking after the first 10 minutes, well, we're going toe-to-toe with them. You know, we're, we're really going for it, especially with... um. Ben Johnson, who seems to be a completely new player at the moment, playing a little bit further forward. Mm. Um, And then, you know, just when you think that we keep applying the pressure, they go up there and score 1-0 and you think, oh, it's just sucker punch. And then same with Emerson, you know, I I don't really know what's happened to him confidence-wise, but his confidence and his ability to hit the target seemed Mm. to go completely miss yesterday. And then you just knew as soon as they went back up top after he missed that chance that they were going to score for 2-0. And I mean, the third, on the uh, Blowing Bubbles WhatsApp group, somebody was like, we were all trying to guess who was going to score the third. A lot of people had their money on Rashford and uh, then Mm. when they scored that. And also, I also felt the that Man United team are awful. They really aren't that great. The fact that we were able to go up there go toe-to-toe with them for as long as we did. And even at, like, 2-0, still looked like the more likely team to score. We were still pushing. And even at 3-0, look, you're game over at that point. But we were still trying to get salvage something from, from the game in terms of, just, you know, consolation goal or whatever. I was really proud of the boys. I really was. And I just got that sheer celebration, almost like taking the copy and kudos. I was a bit like, oh, that is so... I, I, there was no words to describe. Just I just thought, oh, yeah, I just really don't like this main night team whatsoever. No, no, I'm not a fan of them. And I didn't, and just like how the mighty have fallen, eh? You know what I mean? When they've got to celebrate like that, skidding these, like, you know, against the West, little old West Ham, I sort of found quite funny. And, um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It, it was one of those performances where, yeah, like I was proud of them because I thought, I actually thought we played well overall. I thought we were the better team. I, I thought Man United, I thought that scoreline was just such an unfair reflection, actually, of the game. But it does highlight a bit of an issue for West Ham, of course, because we're now. Well, two bad results now back to back. We've only got a point from Bournemouth and Man United. We've got Arsenal next, which is going to be very, very tough. You can imagine, especially with the result they've just had against Liverpool. Um, it's not been a great January, is it? Really good start to the year for West Ham. Let's be honest. We've, you know, we've gone out of the FA Cup to Bristol City over two legs, which cost us about four injuries as well during the process. And we don't really seem to be playing overly well. Although Man United performance aside, um, the performances have dipped a little bit. I'm hoping that we can take something from that Man United performance. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, like you, mate, it was one of those. It, it was. I, I kind of knew we were always going to lose that game. I could kind of just sense it. I I, I didn't think we were going to win it, I, even though we were playing well. I I was pretty. Once again, we got to half time one nil. I was quite sure we would lose, and I was quite sure that we were going to lose. They were going to score a couple more goals. I just got that feeling. You know, we we're not clinical enough at the moment, and which is a bit of a shame. Um, but 
going back actually, David, to the Bournemouth game, um, I mean, that was quite a I think that sort of took the wind out of our sails a little bit as fans because obviously we're, we're going into this sort of period now where you're thinking, go on, let's go for the push now. We've got, you know, what we've got 17 games of that period we had left uh, to go for the Premier League season. And you thought, go on, Bournemouth at home is a game you should be winning. But it was a very lacklustre performance. And I think we have to talk about Calvin Phillips as well. Um, two games, obviously, in a West Ham shirt, two mistakes and looking a little bit vulnerable. What's your feelings on Mr. Phillips? Yeah, when you look at it, in the history books, they're going to say he had he's had two games. He's made two mis- you know two mistakes, and it's cost two goals. And I think there is that one school thought that you look at it from that point of view. I actually thought in the Bournemouth game, mistake aside, um, and it's it was kind of a carbon copy of the mistake he made at, at Old Trafford as well in terms of receiving the ball and not really seeming clear as to what he was going to do with it. Albeit, mm. yeah, it just. A similar kind of mistakes. I actually thought against Bournemouth, he played quite well. Um, mm. I think Alvarez um, has, was was quite good from, in both those games. But I actually think Phillips did quite well in terms of going to go going to get the ball, his distribution. He had a few passes where he switched it from one side to the next. I think, yeah, I think him coming on at Old Trafford is not the most inspirational of substitutions in the sense of, oh, great, so we, we're bringing on kind of a defensive-minded midfielder to try and take the game to, to Man United. Yeah, that's going to be great. Um, and it was unfortunate that mistake. It really was. I I think probably shows a lack of match sharpness and awareness, and just you know getting your mind knowing where you need to be when, and the 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 physicalities of the Premier League. You know, I I did think with him coming in that we were signing a player who was going to be quite fresh because let's face it, you know, he might not have played many minutes in the Premier League, but he's still going to be trained with mm. the water plays. He's still going to be playing practice matches. He's still aside from getting minutes in the Premier League. He's been doing everything else. So he's going to be in, in good nick and he's not going to have had half a season of draining, you know, physicality like, you know, like to Socek get towards the end of the season. Mm. So I've I've been excited about him. I thought he did, a mistake aside, I thought he did well against um, Bournemouth. I was quite surprised when he was taken off. I didn't, sh- I think he was showing being particularly leggy and I think it was just disappointed um, at Old Trafford, but then it's one of those situations where you're brought in as a sub, and it's some. Sometimes you just instantly get into the flow of the game. He he never really got into the flow of the game yesterday, mm. whereas I feel like maybe it had it been starting, then he would have done. But you talked about the the January side of things. You, you got to remember as well that thrown into the mix of that, you've got the Brighton performance at home, which was awful as well, and doesn't really mm. feel like it was January, but it was. And then Sheffield United, really, you know, that should have yeah. been a win for us. Um, and you look at that run of games, you know, Brighton at home, they weren't really particularly in good form. Although I think a lot of fans at the start of the season, if they said you're going to have four points from Brighton, would have taken yeah. it. So yeah. I think you kind of do that. I, I didn't think we looked too bad against Sheffield United. I think we were very comfortable. I thought, apart from Sufel's madness at the end of some refereeing decisions, we would have left that. I mean, we didn't play particularly well. And you're talking about the us being clinical. We probably were quite clinical against Sheffield United because although we were comfortable, we didn't actually create much. And I think yeah. that has been such a token of West Ham's playing recently is that we will sit back, we will soak up the atmosphere, we'll create one or two chances and we'll take one. Mm. Um, and we have been really clinical. But yeah, and against Bournemouth, we didn't really create anything i think there was one uh cross that came in from james ward prowse in the first half and obviously the penalty but that doesn't really count as a chance to create we didn't we didn't really create anything and i also felt yesterday that we kept get finding ourselves in wide positions 
and the players were kind of hesitant to cross the ball in. And I'm, I'm trying to work out why that is, because presumably the way that they set up was a particular particular game plan. So they must have been working on it in training. And it's almost like they've worked on everything but the final third. And, it's, mm. you know, the amount of times that Emerson was in a position to cross it and he, and he hesitated and he, we came back into Kudos and, and he kind of tried to, you know, run through us like i don't really understand what what we're doing now and it the, the game was if we'd had pakatar we would have we would have we would have won that so well so easily i'm not i'm not sure antonio would have made a difference but i think having bowen out on the wing would have made a difference for us and it's i don't know what you think about bowen up top mark but he he does a job mm. and when we're able to release him you know you put your house on him scoring like i mean he should have scored should have scored yesterday he should have shot a lot earlier yeah. Yeah, but it, it's kind of he's he's doing okay without actually doing anything spectacular like perhaps Antonio would be if he's on top form, you know. Yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, as you say, he's so clinical, Bowen, and and he offers so much. I do at times. I do feel like we're not um, rotating him or, or or switching play enough with him like, in terms of his position. I, I really wish we'd do that a bit more rather than continually play him as a striker because you've got the opportunity to do that. You've got Kudus who could play up front effectively for a period. You could, uh, And this is why I'm really frustrated, actually, because when we'll come to this in a minute regarding January, it's like if we had another striker option, at least then it would give you the opportunity then to say, right, bring a striker on. Bowen, you now go out onto the right. Kudus, you go on the left. We've got our striker. I don't know why we, we don't really have that option. I know we've got Antonio coming back, but for the life of me, I do not understand why we didn't go for uh, Amanda Brogio, who went to, to Fulham on loan for the rest of the season. I don't understand what the, the why we deemed that as too much of a risk. I don't understand who does our risk assessments at this football club, but it's very bizarre that the club have gone, no, 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 he's... Bit too risky that one to get a striker in on loan. You know what I mean? It was like, well, it's just a loan. I mean, if it didn't work out, if he didn't, if he was out of crap, then at the end of the season we'd send him back to Chelsea, move on. But I think it's I think the, I think the big the big thing is we've had two seasons now where we've been in a good position come January, mm. and we're all screaming out for fresh legs and to kick on and to try and secure ourselves a European place. Now we ended up having to go. You know, we ran out of steam and ended up getting the Europa League place when the Champions League options were on if, if we invested properly in January mm. and then the season in between we were struggling in a relegation fight and you know we then we start to look into we bring in like Danny Ings you know and so mm. it's, it's very mm. much a case I feel like from Sullivan's perspective well we're doing all right we're sixth yeah you know why, yeah. why do we need to get new new legs in you know it is it's, it's a lack of ambition it's a lack of hunger from the club and I, I and I mean, we'll talk about it before we talk about the big talking point, which is going to be David Moyes, um, because obviously that's the big kind of conversation that's surrounding the club at the moment. Um, I do feel like um, there's a lot to answer for in terms of the January transfer window. I, I don't understand what our game plan was. I, I, I'm really struggling with it. Um, I don't know how a football club that could be sick from the league that talks about and being ambitious and wanting to push kick on and you know, all these kind of things. We've got this Tim Stiton in place. We've got Rob Newman. We've got Mark Noble. They're all busy working. They've got this big scouting network, et cetera, et cetera. And then somehow we come out in January in a much weaker position. I, I really think that, you know, and we are in a weaker position. There's no no two ways about it. They'll try and spin it and say, well, you know, I think they're going to try and say the line of using the academy players and say, well, we've got these great players coming through. But Moyes doesn't use them, so it's just totally irrelevant. He's never going to put on 18-year-olds during Premier League games. We know he won't do that. He won't. That's just not going to happen. And, you know, we've sold 
um, effectively, yeah, well, Sai Ben Rama's effectively sold. We know that he's not, he's unlikely to pay for the club again. You know, Fabro four now. Don't get me wrong, those players' times at the club are up. I was happy to, to, to say, yeah, that, that, let's move them on. But only if they have their players coming in, surely to God. I, I can't understand the logic of letting go of players that Moyes was using. You know, the, the, you know Ben Rahm was a player that was effectively Moyes' go-to sub in most mm-hmm. you know, this season. And we've now lost him and we haven't replaced him. And I, I, I do, I am struggling with January again. And, I, and like you say, it's, it, I think the fans, we get very frustrated. I don't, I don't know what the game plan is. I really struggle to see why we've got such a short-sighted thinking. And like I say, the Brozier one just baffles me. You know, a player that was our number one target, let's not forget, two years ago, I think we spent all of summer trying to get him. And I think we ended up getting Skamaka instead because we couldn't get that one over the line. Desperately wanted Brozier. Brozier was the man that Moyes identified as he was the man to lead the club. Oh, I appreciate in that time he's had a knee injury and he's just come back, but he's fit. He's playing Premier League football. He's available on loan for the rest of the season. No obligation to buy and we've gone, no, oh, we'll leave that one. Let's just leave it. I, I honestly, I'm really struggling with it. And what's your feelings then in January? Would, would you, are you feeling quite deflated from it? Or do you think actually West Ham did some decent business? Um, we did good business in the sense of getting rid of Kara and Fournells and Ben Rama and, you know, presumably opening up the, you know, the wage bill and, and lessening that on there and lowering it. But mm. to then not bring anyone in, or well, mm. apart from Phillips, Although maybe he's got the wages of all three of them combined, I don't know. But it just mm. when when I saw the story initially about you know Ben Rama and Fornells not going because we didn't you know computer says no that kind of thing. Mm. My initial thoughts were, what's happened here is that we've gone into a situation where we've tried to get other players in, we've not been able to get those across the line, so we're not going to get these across the line. And rather than just saying, okay, the deal's off, we then sort of blame the computers and hope that that will get away with it. And then then the people have come around and said, well, actually, you know, you've, you know, and it's all been pushed through. But that was my gut feeling when I did it, that perhaps they had someone lined up and it, and it hasn't come, it hasn't come off. And Mm. I just think it's, it's, I agree with you. It's, it's madness to, get rid of Fornells and Ben Rama, both players that would be coming off the bench at the very least. Um, if yeah. not starting, I'm, I mean, some you know, some games, if we've got injuries or whatever, we just seem to be an injury or two away now from, you know, not having anyone yeah. to look to. Um, but then having said that, seeing Danny Ings playing in that space behind the striker at Sheffield United, I was a bit like, again, like, a bit like Ben Johnson was that game. I was like, oh, okay, so maybe we've found something yeah. a bit different here. Um, but it just it just seems it baffles me that Moyes has definitely got to the stage where we're evolving the squad and he wants to get four hours. He wants to get rid of Ben Rama. He wants to bring in new players that, that suit his system more. And he's got rid of them. We've not brought anyone in. <laughs> it's crazy, we're, isn't it? we're at a point where we're, you know, sixth, seventh in the league. Um, we're still in the Europa League. And you think that I that it must be hugely frustrating for Moyes to not have those players at, at his disposal because as much as I'm sure that he was wanting to bring in players, I guess fundamentally he's not the one that's actually digging into his wallet to bring them in. So it comes down to you know those above him. But it does it does seem mad that we we can't have this scouting system and we can't find somebody who's mm. a younger Antonio. If if that's the start if that's the style of player that Moyes thinks works in his system, yeah. surely there are boxes that, that they can tick they could just probably go into champ manager or football manager or whatever it is and just yeah, tick yeah. these certain boxes that they need in terms yeah. of physicality speed and surely they will bring up options to, to scout because when we played was it i can't remember if it was genk or ghent but 
they had a striker who was very similar to Antonio. And he yes, was like 21, I, I, 22. I, I do. And I do. I was going to mention him. And I, I, you're laughing me. If you can remember his name, I, I can't quite remember. I can't recall no, it. I can't. The, the little guy. And yeah, yeah. Very, very powerful striker. And I think he's just been sold. And I think he sold for something like, I think it was like 9 million euros, 10 million euros. You're like, what are we doing? What, what are we doing? Why have we let that go? We, we watched what he did against us. He literally fit our system perfectly. He's powerful, fast, good guy for goal. Yeah, really, really confusing, mate. I, I, I am. I'm, I'm struggling with it, West Ham at the moment. I really do. It's a shame because we, we did some really good business in the summer. You know, we handled the Declan Rice sale very, very well. Yeah. We, we, we brought in the players that I felt. You know, let's be honest. We couldn't have done much better. James Paul Prowse been brilliant since he signed. Um, although his form slightly off a little bit, you'd imagine at, at this stage. But that's that's fine. It happens. But he's been overall a very good player for us. Um, you know, Mohamed Kudus has been excellent. Mavropanos has been a pretty decent signing, albeit a couple of mistakes, but he's pretty been pretty good. I, I've, been, I've been really happy. And obviously, Edson Alvarez, of course, as well, been brilliant. But this January, I don't know what it is with January in West Ham. We don't, we're not very good at it. We, I know we brought in Bowen in January a few years ago. And I think Suchek was one as well that we brought through. But January is not very good for this football club. For some reason, we are not good at identifying players. We don't seem to get the business done right. And uh, what annoys me as well, is that we heard from XWH employee, you know, right at the beginning of the window, that the left wing was our priority position. We've got to be getting, and we all knew it, all West Ham fans knew, we've got to get that left wing sorted out. And we didn't, and we didn't get it sorted out. We hunted two players that they then found out on literally the 28th, 29th of the month. Oh, can't really fool them now. Found, turned out, you know, Jota's wages were too high. Couldn't, it was too much complication. Well, you should have found that out ages ago. Why that's mm. taken right at the end of the month, I don't understand. And the same with, um, as Ibrahim um, Osman, wasn't it, that we were after? Um, turns out that we were talking to the wrong agent, apparently, and there was more complication. You know, it's just typical West Ham, you know, really poor um, strategy there. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm disappointed. And I think, unfortunately, already we're starting to look at this squad thinking, God, we're not thin. You know, like you said, uh, David, like if we get a couple of injuries in this squad, we are in big, big trouble. Um, it's great for the academy boys, don't get me wrong. I do like to see the, ca- the fact that the academy boys are going to be given a bit more opportunities around the senior squad. But we know David Moyes. He's not a big advocate in risking younger players he just won't do it like he he will always play it safe if he's got you know we've seen it haven't we how many times have we seen him have options on the bench and we've gone go on give the young lad a go he won't he'll always go yeah. with a Danny Ings he'll always go with his old trusted guard he always will he'll always go from a, he always seems to look at experience over um you know uh potential I think I think that's just how he operates and um yeah it's frustrating we need to talk about him, though. It's it's a big talking point, David Moyes, and this is going to be rumbling on, well, until until he signs a new deal, which apparently is not too far away. But uh, David Moyes, mate, what, what's, what's your feelings on the, on the situation? Uh, I At the start of the season, I would say that I was very much in the Moyes in camp in the sense that, you know, he's won us the Euro, European trophy. And it's interesting actually seeing it on social media, seeing the two sides. It's so divisive at the moment. And those that are Moyes in say one thing and stick to it and then use certain results and performances to back up what they're saying. And then literally, like, those that are out are saying the same things, putting their own spin on it. And I feel like I was Moyes in and I feel like the Everton game at home, I was a bit like, hmm. Mm, I don't, mm. I feel like... I felt like yesterday Moyes actually took the handbrake off a little bit, actually, in terms of letting players actually just go out there and express themselves. And mm. and, and arguably that left us a bit vulnerable, potentially. Um, but then the Everton game, the Bournemouth game, the Brighton game, 
there's there's a lot of games this season that have been absolutely dire. And the question that I keep asking myself is, do I want to watch a team play as badly as we we have we have done? Like you know, let's let's not get you know against Tottenham as well. We weren't great against them until you know we got we we were clinical, took our chances, and you leave with you know a win. And you just think, you know. Is that is that the price of successful football this season? In that you're absolutely dire to watch, but you're gonna do enough to st- first and foremost stay in the Premier League, and like this season, put ourselves in a good position to to push on for European football. And I think that is the question that the fan base want to ask themselves because I'm sure I was watching the FA Cup game between Norwich City and Liverpool, and I remember Norwich when they were at last up in the Premier League, they played some great football. They got mm. hammered five 0 every week, and it's like. I just, we're not, we're not, we haven't got enough calibre in the squad and we haven't got the, the the depth in the squad to be able to, or the quality, to be able to play that football that I think we all want. I think that the, the fine line is between it all is that we, it's not so much that I think West Ham fans want us to all play expansive football, free flowing, all of that. Mm. I mean, it would be great. It'd be like great to see. I think it's just when you're playing Bournemouth at home, to actually have more than like one or two shots on target to actually mm. feel like we're taking the game to them to actually, you know, mm. and that, that's probably why we're missing um, Paqueta in the sense that there's not a player who's, who was winning out there to make a mistake knowing that he's, you know, he make two mistakes, but the third ball he puts through is going to create a chance. And obviously that's not Moyes' fault that he's out injured, but equally we don't have anyone else out there that, you know, perhaps kudos aside, that it's going to create those moments. And it's just thinking from my perspective, first of all, is there another manager out there mm. who's going to be able to take this team of players on, um, develop them, add some of his own players into the mix and take us on to the next level? Or are we going to be in a situation where we get rid of Moyes, we bring in someone new, dynamic, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be great new era, like Pellegrini, we have perhaps one good season or even six months. We're mm. in a relegation fight. We sack him and we bring Moyes back again. I, I just I just don't know where I... Like, I do have a lot of sympathy with a lot of the supporters who are Moyes out. Um, that I, I have been listening and reading a lot more of what they're saying about it. And I do have a lot of sympathies with them. I feel like I still am the Moyes in camp for now because mm. I think... And from Sullivan's point of view... We're not going to get relegated this season. We're through to the knockout stages of European football. Coming into the season, you know, we finish 10th and we get to the semi-final of Europa League. I th- even with the turgid football that we've seen, I still still think that Moyes will, will stay because of that. Um, and I do, and I have a lot of sympathy and support with those at Moyes in that are saying, he's actually done a good job when he's here, you know, in terms of where we, the mm. places that we've finished and what we've achieved and what we've won. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, there are some people that are very firmly in and out. Um, I still feel like I'm I'm perhaps, you know, Bournemouth game, I was like, I'm <laughs> always out. And then mm, yeah, United yeah. game, I was a bit like, oh, okay, there is a progression there. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. I mean, it's a, I don't think it's a fair question, actually, when people say to you, are you David Moyes in or out? Because you need to know what the alternative is, surely. Because if someone said to you, oh, yeah, I'm David Moyes out, I'll get rid of him. They go, brilliant. OK, well, he's gone now. We've brought in Neil Warnock. You go, hang on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't want that. So you need to kind of know what you're getting, I think. You know, it's it's almost like if I said to you, oh, I'm, I'm 
do you want to go on your holiday next year? Because I've got another one for you. And you go, oh, I can, you can ditch it and I'll send you somewhere else. And But I'm not telling you where it is. You're probably unlikely to take the, op- you know what I mean? You're going to go, well, I need to know what the alternatives are. And that's why I think it is a little bit harsh in the Moyers debate because we don't know. And let's be honest, there isn't really a candidate. that I don't see anyone that's obvious that's going to be coming to West Ham. Like, it just isn't there. I don't, I don't, I don't know who the club's going to bring in. Like, that, that's what worries me. I don't see the obvious candidate. I know we've been, is it Arna Slot we've been linked with and um, a couple of other managers, um, uh, Will Steel, you know, but he's very young. So it's unlikely what the club would take a gamble there. I, I, I mean, I'm, for my for my understanding of it and what I think what we all deep down know is he will be given another contract. I'm pretty certain of that. I, the club at the end of the day, if you're a club owner like David Sullivan at the end of the day, unlike most other football club owners, they're, they're looking at results, really. They're, they're going to be looking at their spreadsheets and they're, they're getting their graphs up at the end of the season going, right, well, we're in the Premier League. Yep, yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, God, blind, we've got in Europe. They're doing well. And yet yeah, they're going to see all the t- pluses and the fact we're doing well um, financially. David Moyes doesn't spend an awful lot of money. He doesn't, you know, he's not horrendous. You know, We're not in a bad, bad position financially. So I actually don't see how we can't be given another deal. I, I don't know. It would be very strange for a football club to have all of this data in front of them and go, yeah, we're going to call it a day with this fella. We're going to move on. I, I just don't, don't see it because let's be honest, style of football is probably not the top of their list. Let's mm. be honest. If, as a club owner, are you really going to give a shit? Really? When people go, yeah, we don't like them. We're not playing enough good football. They go, yeah, but we're winning, mate. I, I don't care. We're, we're, we're where we want to be. I'm happy with the numbers at the moment. Um, so I'd, I'd be very, very surprised if David Moyes is let go, unless, of course, we go uh, on a slump now to the end of the season and really fall away, then possibly. But I, d- I don't think we will. I don't think I think we've got enough about us to, to get enough results this season, possibly to still to get a, maybe uh, a European space. I still think we're in within that um, hunt. Could you imagine if we get the Conference League again for next year? Like four seasons what? of... Of European I bloody like that. I, I would, I would actually like that. I was thinking about that, um, funny enough, before we came to do the show, um, because I'm a bit annoyed at the moment, like most West Ham fans, because I feel like we've got a great opportunity this season. Another, another January's hit us where we had an opportunity possibly to get a Champions League spot. You know, because top five this season could be Champions League football. And you just feel that we've not, you know, we've not grasped the, the ball by the horns at all. We've not done that. We've not gone. Yeah, go on, let's go. Let's try and get that fifth spot. It's almost like you said, we played it safe. We're going to be all right. We've got enough, uh, you know what I mean? That's how the club have kind of done, uh, taken it, I think. Um, but then there was a part of me thinking, yeah, but if we got Champions League, don't get me wrong, it'd be amazing, very exciting and all that. But there's a part of me thinking, but how would we fare in it? Probably not great. You know, we might we might, might get out of the group. That's probably the best we're going to get. I don't think we go much further than that. Whereas a part of me thought, well, do you know what? I wouldn't mind another run at the Conference League because we, we're quite good at that, you know what I mean? Um, I, I would happily take that. I, absolutely take any form of European football next season. And I think we, uh, yeah, we're well within that that hunt. Um, but regards to David Moyes, I am frustrated with him. But at the same time, it's hard to deny that he's been good for the club. It, 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 you can't say he hasn't been. He's obviously he's delivered. You know, he's kept us up a couple of times now. He's he's got us into the top six or the top seven, wasn't it? On on back to back occasions, he's then got us in Europe now, possible well, three times on the spin, and now possibly even a fourth time this season. It's it is a very very good record, but. I totally understand why people are getting frustrated. Like you say, you watch these performances and you do you do question um, how long this can go on for because fans are going to get fed up with it. And I'm I'm certainly getting fed up with it. But 
you know, it's not, I don't think it's all doom and gloom as people sort of make out like it's it's all all dire. It isn't always bad. Like as you say, the Man United performance wasn't bad at all. We played some lovely football. We were up for it. I think people just want to see a bit more of that, a bit more, especially when you're at home against lower sides. I mean, the Bournemouth performance was so poor, so flat. And you think that and it can be very frustrating. But much like you, I'm sort of, I'm a bit divided. If someone said to me tomorrow, um, Xavi Alonso wants the West Ham job. He's waiting in the wings. He's agreed the deal and he wants to come in. I, I would say, yes, let's get rid of David Moyes. Let's move on from this. But I'm, I'm not going to say David Moyes out if I don't know who the alternative. And as I say, mm-hmm. at the moment, I don't see any alternative. I don't see anyone that stands out as an obvious candidate. Anyone that springs to mind for you, David, that if you if you could, in a realistic term, obviously I've just sort of jumped, you know, said that, I'm assuming Pep Guardiola probably don't fancy the West Ham job at the moment. Um, but if there's an obvious candidate, is anyone out there jumps out to you that you think, yeah, that's the one I want instead? Or are you kind of, yeah, well, like me? I I have I had a lot of sympathy with Graham Potter when he was at Chelsea because I really feel like there's a lot of managers these days that don't get the the chance. And if you look at the West Ham, I think the vast majority of the players that are now playing in in our team are all Moyes signings. I think Antonio aside, so mm. we've we've actually. It, despite not thinking about it, we actually have entered this kind of Moyes era in terms of he's come in and he's moulded this squad and this side into into his image. And, he, and he's been given the time, albeit because he's achieved. So therefore, he has been given more time. I, I would be very interested to see. I really enjoyed that Brighton team um, playing under Potter. Mm. Don't think he got a fair crap of, of the whip of it at Chelsea. Mm. I think he comes in given chance to work with the squad that we currently have and then I think maybe given you know some funds to then bolster it and you look at it as a as a project and if we just commit to the fact that we may finish 16th for a couple of seasons while we're sort of getting it you know I think we we I would like to see that um it, it's just the, I don't think managers get more than two years now really I feel like they need to yeah it's such a you Moyes is well there aren't this uh, Pep Guardiola because he because of how long he's you know how much he's achieved and succeeded. But I just don't feel like you're going to get managers now that are going to remain at a club for a very long time. And I think Moyes is testament to that. The fact that no matter how long he's been at the club over the two spells, all the time he's been under pressure. You know, he's always been mm. one mm. bad performance and people have been like, "You're gone." And it's funny how many games has he had where it, it's been very much said that. You know, he's one game away from getting the sack, and we've won that game, and yeah, it's kind of yeah. pushed it. But you know, sliding doors moments. What would happen if we had lost against Nottingham Forest? You know, when Ings scored, and, yeah. You know, we yeah. ended up rampaging against it. What have he lost that? You know, all those kind of moments. It's, I don't know. It's interesting just to think of that. But yeah, I think for me, Potter was one that first came to mind as soon as you mentioned. You know, replacement. I, I would, mm. I would, I would like to see that happen. I feel like he would be someone who could perhaps take yeah. this current group and and our squad forward. Yeah, it's not a bad shout, actually. But Goran Potter isn't a bad shout. Um, it, it's difficult, isn't it? And, and, and you, you bring up an interesting point, actually, when you say about those games where Moyes is like, yeah, this is the one, you know, the, uh, El Sacchio and all that. I think it was what, Everton, wasn't it, when uh, Lampard got sacked and all this kind of stuff. I, I remember these sort of games and thinking, you know, the, you know, they have to deliver for the manager. And that's where actually I think the, it shows the players actually are do support David Moyes. I do think he has got the dressing room. I think there's always mm-hmm. this debate that they don't, but I don't believe that is the case. From what I understand it, you know, from the, the, I think the mood around the camp's good. I think they like the manager. I, I don't think there's any issue in that regard. I think it's just the way we set up sometimes can be very negative. And I understand the frustration, but I think, 
I, I would be personally, I'd be very stunned if he's not given a new deal. I, I really do. I, I think that but it's, I, you can imagine there's going to be a lot of unhappy people about it because they do want to see a bit of a change at the club. And unfortunately, like you say, it, it, in regards to managers and time, that's just everywhere, isn't it? That's just the natural way football is now in the, in the modern world. It's, there's just no time. I mean, I've, I even... I was. I think we had a few murmurs this season from Arsenal fans. You know, wanting Arteta out. Oh, we're nowhere near as good as last season. Oh, we're really pissed off. And you're thinking, God Almighty, like this is probably the best manager you've had in a long time. Where you've actually started competing and already lose have a bit of a dodgy run, and all of a sudden fans want him gone. So I think it's everywhere. I think that's just always going to be the case, and it'd be the same if we brought another guy in. You know, that people will go brilliant. We've got an expansive way of football, but they'll want to see results quickly. I don't think people would tolerate bad results for very long. So, yeah. look, it's going to be an interesting debate, mate, isn't it, David? It's going to go on and on, and I think this is going to be a hot topic for a little while. But, you know, we, we, as far as we understand it, from what David Moyes has said, he's got a new deal um, coming very soon. Um, David, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. We want to make this actually a regular thing, don't we? We want to make this yeah, uh, yeah. you coming onto the show, which is going to be very good. Um, of course, you've got uh, Blind Bubbles uh, magazine. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that, actually, your magazine, before you... Um, Start. yeah 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 i mean because i feel like there are st- still some people that don't know h- a huge amount about it you know we, we started in august 2012 you know i i used to write for overland and sea and i just no offense to 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 gary firmager but i just felt that there was a a place for a different magazine that perhaps wasn't i just felt like you, a lot of the writers covered the same opinions page after page and so i wanted to to launch something my, my idea was it to be quite digital at the start because that you know back in 2012 that was all the rage that people could read stuff on their ipads and stuff and i made the kind of the the error some might say of um getting like 10,000 printed for our first game which was aston villa at home in august 2012 and then off the back of that loads of people were like oh so how do we uh you know how do we get the printed copy from now on and i was thinking oh, i didn't really want to sign up for printed copy and yet look fast forward 12 years and you know here we are yeah. Um, you know, closing in now on our, you know, we'll be probably our hundred fiftieth um edition. You know, when when we started, it was uh, we used to do it our, like every home game. We did come out with an issue, and then after a while, it just you know when you've got a home game on a Saturday and then a Tuesday, you know, it was just getting so so hard to turn around the the issues in time and get them out. You know, and mm. our model was very much a case of um subscribers, so people that you know get it through the post every month. So um we switched to monthly, and it's really helped us because and the only time we have difficulties like you know like this week where we're getting our february issue out and you wait until the Jan- you know the january transfer window slams shut and that's like okay well I've, i have to update the copy for funnels and ben rama because um you know they, they haven't gone so hmm. okay let's update that and then 12 hours later just I'm about to send it to the yeah. printer oh we have gone so it, it's then just that's a difficulty you have sometimes but the the thing that i think we do quite well is that we look at that bigger picture you know we take a step back and we go okay you know is the grass going to be any greener greener with david moyes we, we look in depth with that you know uh that this the atmosphere at london stadium just take a look at that you know is it is it actually any worse than it was at upton parking just just looking at that rather than just the specifics of you know one or two yeah. games you know yeah obviously you know you do get some issues where you know big issues happen and you have to discuss that in that but you know, I, I like a lot of the readers like it because it's something that they can get every month and they can read it. And it doesn't matter if you read it on the 1st of February, the 12th of February or the 20th of February, it's still going to, there's still going to be copy in there that you can be able to read. And I think that sometimes that's mm. the issue I had with um, Overlander City and other fanzines. You get it going into the game, you read it on the way home, all the copies outdated, especially if it's a must win game. Mm. Everyone's all mm. negative. 
and then you yeah. win it and you read all this copy you're like well all of that kind of goes out the window so yeah, that, yeah that's been the thing for me just making it so that people can uh, enjoy reading at any time of the month and you know bit of history bit of nostalgia people love that kind of thing we have big interviews like you guys do as well um mm. big interviews with with players coming up and uh I, you know i still do believe that there is a demand for fanzines out there for all clubs you know a lot of them are going under at the moment i know that the guna went recently as well because i didn't get enough level subscribers but we're, we're mm. doing all right at the moment um and it's it's good it's just trying to you know people like to see people holding fanzines out in street corners which we have done you know we did do it for a few seasons but if it's a sunny saturday game at three o'clock in the afternoon people are very happy to come and stand and chat to you and buy a fanzine if it's raining and it's friday and it's an evening kickoff and it's dark no one's going to want to stand to you. So the, when, when print costs are as high as they are, um, you know, it, it's really just a case of from a business perspective. I think that's what lockdown did for us is we then had to reevaluate if it worth, is it worth it and actually mm. put more investment in pushing that model where people get it through their door every month. And, you know, we, yeah. we post all around the world, which is, I, it blows my mind because the postage to post something like this to Australia or America is, is quite a lot really. And yeah. Yeah. To pay it because it gives them a, a little bite as much as you know the, the different West Ham websites are absolutely fantastic and you get live instant reaction to everything that happens sometimes having just someone sit back and go right Calvin Phillips has arrived at West Ham what does this really mean what are the numbers and just going yeah. a bit more in depth in those type of issues I think people really enjoy reading it it's excellent I, I, I'm a big fan of it I really am uh, it was actually X that pushed me onto it um early I, I always have known about it for a while and I've known about it from afar and obviously I was a fan as well of Overland Sea so um yeah I I, I think it's, I, I would highly recommend it and in fact we're going to put a link uh, in, the, in the description below so if anyone can, wants to go and have a look at that go and check it out and uh, obviously order it up it's, it's really worth it very excellent writing and as you say re- it does it gives you that um a bit, bit more information and also it, it actually I don't know, it keeps you connected to how football, sh- in my opinion, was and how it should be in a little way. You know, I miss the fanzines and, yeah, no, I think it's it's excellent. It, it really is worth uh, a read. So, uh, David, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, speaking to you. What we'll do is we'll, um, you'll be back in, in a few weeks, I think. Is, is that the plan? You're going to come back in and talk and we'll hopefully have so much more exciting things and happy things to chat about, David. Yeah, it's been a really bad January, but I have to say that the best months that we always have are um, whenever things are going bad at West Ham, our sales go through the roof. And when things are going well, no one seems to want to buy it because no one wants to hear how great things are going. People want to hear what other people think about it when it goes wrong. And mm, I think that's mm. probably the state of our world as it is in terms of everything. But yeah, back on again towards the end of this month where hopefully we'll have a lot more positive things to talk about. Absolutely. Cheers, mate. Podcast Network.